when we recognize it's not only harming us and our anxiety and stress, but also impacting our children and their ability to process their environment and their stress and anxiety, then for me as a parent, I want to do whatever I can to lessen the impact of our environment on our stress, right? Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and ambassador of encouragement. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own. I wish we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? Life can be tough. Storms in life are inevitable. In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor to offer biblical mindset support and provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi neighbor, welcome to another episode of Anchors of Encouragement. Today I am pleased to bring to you my friend and podcasting sister, Emily McDermott. Emily is a wife, mother of two energetic boys, and simplicity seeker. She is also the host of the top 1.5% globally ranked podcast, Moms Overcoming Overwhelm, where she helps moms declutter their homes, heads, and hearts. Emily enjoys writing poetry, dancing, and eating peanut butter out of the jar. Emily is going to share a topic with us that on the surface might not appear to apply to adoptive parents. It certainly applies to a lot of people in today's society, but I believe you're going to see this particular topic applies very well to those of us who are adoptive parents, and especially to those adoptive parents who are navigating some of the challenges that adoption can present. I'll let Emily reveal that topic in a moment. Make sure and check out the show notes for a special gift Emily has for you. Now let's get to my conversation with Emily McDermott. Thanks for joining me today, Emily. You are my neighbor from Virginia, I believe. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm in Indiana. And you have an interesting topic today for my audience. It's one that they're going to be surprised because it's something you wouldn't think would apply to adoptive parents. But I believe we're going to be able to make that application and show how when you get this particular idea and concept under control, it's really going to help you out. And your topic is what? Can you tell us what that's going to be? Decluttering. Okay, that's interesting because I'm living in clutter and (laughs) it's something I need to work on. How did you get into this topic? Because that's pretty interesting in and of itself. Yeah, it is not what I went to school for. That is for sure. (laughs) My story actually started when my husband and I were struggling with infertility and we were wanting to be parents. It wasn't happening. We actually had what's called unexplained infertility, which is pretty much there's nothing physically wrong with you. You just can't conceive. And at the time we were exploring doing in vitro fertilization and also adoption and a couple other um, options. And I was working full time. I was chronic people pleaser, perfectionist, saying yes to everything, being asked of me, completely overwhelmed and stressed out. 
and also by the physical things in my home, but all the obligations and everything weren't helping. And I realized, okay, I really felt like God had designed me and I was destined to be a mother in some way, but all of the stuff in my home and everything I was saying yes to wasn't giving me the space that I needed in order to be able to conceive. And so I actually found out about minimalism and decluttering through a habits course I was taking. And it really just clicked for me like, oh, okay, if I want to make room for this baby in our lives, I need to remove everything that's not serving me right now. And luckily we were able to conceive our oldest via um, IVF. And then God said, you know, you're doing great. (laughs) Even though I wasn't, um, it was really stressful, of course, being a new mom. And so we ended up um, having our youngest without any medical intervention whatsoever. I kind of call call him our free baby, so to speak, because we didn't have to go back to the doctor. And then I had two under two. And then it was, oh my gosh, the decision fatigue of all of these choices and and people asking me, you know, what's for dinner? And I had postpartum anxiety. And so that foundation of simplicity and decluttering really helped me mm-hmm. in that phase of motherhood and has really helped me in all the phases of motherhood since. And now I helped overwhelm moms and help them with decluttering their homes, their heads and their hearts. So that's kind of how I got into it. You probably don't know this about me, but my wife and I went through infertility as well. Oh, wow. No, I didn't know that. We went through two IVF procedures. Uh, both didn't work. Speaking from experience, and I, I know you can understand this too, it was a very stressful period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to uh, conceive so badly. I know my wife, especially, understood from scripture that you know she wanted to be a mother so badly. And when that couldn't happen, it just added to the stress because you, you want it so bad, then you can almost taste it. And she just yeah. couldn't, we just couldn't have it that way. We went the route of adoption. Uh, the IVF, the infertility was stressful. The adoption process was really stressful with this idea of decluttering. It can help just take one stress factor out of your life. Yeah. And so we've talked about this uh, before the podcast started and you had some things, four things that clutter is stealing from us. Can you talk about those? Because I think that's where uh, adoptive parents are going to see, oh, this is something, if I can get rid of these things, I can focus on what's really important, my kids. Yeah, definitely. And I always like to say that clutter is not neutral. It's not just this extra stuff in your house. It is actually negatively impacting you in a variety of ways. And there's actually scientific studies behind it, which I always like geeking out on the science. And then my husband is a very like facts oriented person. Mm -hmm. So if you're struggling getting your spouse or partner on board with this, sometimes if you're able to provide some of these studies, it's kind of helpful um, for that conversation. But the first thing that clutter robs from us or steals from us is our time, because what takes up your space takes up your time. You have to find it. You have to maintain it. You have to clean it or, you know, clean around it (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, because that is just taking up so much of our time. And also it is related to decision fatigue because the more choices that we have, the more decisions we have to make between those choices. And so if you get dressed in the morning and you have a hundred shirts and 50 pairs of pants, it's going to take longer to make a decision than someone that has 
10 shirts and five pairs of pants is just kind of math. And one of the statistics I love, it's from a very strange source. It's called the National Soap and Detergent Association, but I don't really care that it's from this weird association (laughs) because they found that getting rid of clutter would eliminate 40% of housework in the average home. And I believe it because based upon my own experience, it takes me so much less time to clean my home when I don't have to do that stuff shuffle, you know, when you're moving the piles from place to place or Mm -hmm. um, you're like, okay, I would love to vacuum my floor, but I can't see my floor. (laughs) So that is one thing, just our time between the decisions and the cleaning and the maintenance and the organizing and everything that is something that we as parents definitely want to reclaim because we want to use that time towards what actually matters. So that would be thing number one. I can think of with time, especially there are things, and I've talked about these on the podcast. There are things that come up with the challenge of being an adoptive parent that you're going to have to devote your time to that. And I'm not saying other parents, biological parents don't have challenges as well. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. at all, but there are some unique challenges that adopted parents face. And if you can free up your time to devote more of it to those challenges, it's just going to make life a lot more manageable. And I think yeah. that's one of the things you're saying is this, you're, if you can free up your time, you're just going to be able to devote some to other things that are more important. And the mm-hmm. kids are the most important thing. And then yourself as well. So yeah, time saver, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And the second similarly is that it's stealing our peace. And I know, um, like you were saying, adoptive parents, they have very unique, specific challenges. And there's probably a lot of times, and I know you can probably speak to this, Tim, where it is not a peaceful environment, you know, in your home because you're having to deal with all of these issues. And Clutter actually increases our stress hormone, cortisol. So one of the studies uh, from 2010, they were taking couples around their homes. And if the, the women were the ones giving the tours, and if they were describing their home as disorganized or cluttered, then their uh, cortisol levels were actually higher than those that were touring their home and saying that it was homey or relaxing or whatever. And they also, those women showed greater increase in depressed mood, a more difficult transition from work to home. And it's probably in this case, the men, uh, you might think this is funny, Tim, I don't know, but the men did not have the the same increase in cortisol levels (laughs) as the women. Uh And there might be some people chuckling about that, you know, depending on how your spouse is with clutter versus you. But the point being, I think, because women are still traditionally, at least in the United States, responsible for more of the home management. So that was kind of the thought. But um, we, our brains see clutter as visual stimulus overwhelm. And our children see that like that as well. So when I'm looking in my home, I can say, I need to put that away. I need to sign that paper. I need to clean that. I need to put the dishes in the sink. I need to start the laundry. And it is stressing me out because everything that I see is something that I have to do something about and I have to handle. And Mm -hmm. for our kids also, for that visual stimulus overwhelm, especially when their brains and their bodies are developing, it is tactile and visual overload for them. They go into a a playroom with toys everywhere And they do what I call the dump and go where they dump the toy and they move on to the next thing and they dump that and move on to the next thing because it is literally 
too much for them. And there's lots of studies about how less toys allow kids to play more deeply. But when we recognize it's not only harming us and our anxiety and stress, but also impacting our children and their ability to process their environment and their stress and anxiety, then for me as a parent, I want to do whatever I can to lessen the impact of our environment on our stress, right? So that is a huge one, stealing our peace. Well, you're two for two because I know with adopted parents, and I can speak to this, and I know other adopted parents will understand this. A lot of times outside of the home, people will not be able to perceive the stress and some of the challenges that are going on. And it's when you're in your home that some of these things start to rear their heads. And so it's not as peaceful as you would like it. You would think when you go home, that's where you could have your peace. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And they might be able to to mask some of the uh, struggles they're going through But when they're outside the home. But inside the home, that's not the case at all. If there's just something else contributing to that less than peaceful situation, I can see where it could really be a problem. And so, again, that's a good point that you're bringing up. That If we can reduce that the stress there and establish more peace, this is going to help us more with our families. So. Yeah. And like you said, your home is supposed to be this haven. It's supposed to be where you're able to come back to when you're out in the world and everything that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And I actually have some women in my Facebook group that have shared with me that when they come home from work, they'll stay in their car like a little while longer than maybe they quote unquote should, because it is so stressful walking into that front door. And maybe it's because of the relationships and maybe it's because of a lot of other things, but the clutter and all of the stuff that's not helping. Um, so that is a huge thing. And similarly, our physical health, that would be the third thing. Our physical health is being impacted, not just from stress and anxiety. Um, it impacts our sleep. So if you're in a cluttered bedroom, there's a higher risk of sleep disturbances and having lower sleep quality. If you are in an untidy or messy kitchen, one kind of funny study found that you're more likely to eat cookies if given the choice between cookies, crackers, and carrots, because you're kind of in this stressful, kind of messy environment. And we were talking before recording about how I'm sort of a sugar fiend. (laughs) Uh So I would definitely pick the cookies. So, you know, it's impacting some of these things with our, our physical health. And sometimes even depending on the level of clutter that you have, just being able to move and live easily within your home. You know, like I joke because my kids are into Legos, like that I'm constantly, you know, stepping on the Legos and everything. But honestly, if it is preventing you from being able to live the way that you are wanting to live in your home, to use these spaces the way that they are designed, instead of them just being like glorified storage containers, um, then that is impacting your physical health and your ability to live well within your home. So physical health is again, a huge one. And that's number three. I can relate to that too, because if if there's clutter around, you're going to seek comfort and comfort food is typically not good for us. (laughs) And that's where the sugars come in. And that's uh, so yeah, that again, makes total sense with how you can equate clutter to adoptive parents. So Um, Number four, what's that one? Number four is another huge one, our energy, right? So that is, I would say besides time, um, that might be one of the other biggies when it comes to our our precious resources. 
And anytime, you know, we're making these decisions, like when decision fatigue is the deteriorating quality of your decisions over the course of the day, supposedly we make 35,000 decisions a day. I would think that it would be higher for um, parents, adoptive parents, because we're having to make it on behalf of our children too, depending Mm -hmm. on their ages. And so if you start the day and you're having to make all of these decisions about, you know, what clothes do I pick? What do I eat? What do I do here? What do I do there? Uh, What are my kids going to do today? What are they wearing? What are they eating? You're already depleting so many of those resources. So at the end of the day, when you're actually having to make these tough decisions about yourself and your family, your finances, your children's education, their social environment, all of these things, you do not have the energy. You do not have the capacity in order to be the parent that you want to be. And so we have to remember that clutter due to the fact that too much choice means too many decisions among those choices. There is a direct correlation between all the stuff that we have and the energy that we expend having to make decisions about it. So um, reclaim that energy. (laughs) See, I get on my soapbox here, Tim. (laughs) I can resonate with this one because a lot of times, and my wife can speak to this as well, when we were going through some of the challenges that we faced, I've got a path in my yard. It's a dirt path. I've worn it out so much from walking back and forth because I had to get out of the house just to clear my head and and start to do so because decision fatigue is, is a real reality for adopted parents. So again, if we can reduce that with getting rid of all the clutter, it makes so much sense. I'm, I'm glad you're on here because on the surface, this might not seem like a topic that would be uh, applicable, but you're showing from point after point after point, it can directly apply to the health of a, an adoptive family. Yes. And so as I have told you before, and I've, I've shared with the audience, this is biblical mindset support for adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. And I know we're both Christians. Can you make a case in, from the Bible on decluttering? Is it is it something the Bible talks about? Because I would like to be able to make an application from scripture and say, you know, God wants us to think this way. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I have been reading the Bible chronologically. I'm 42 for reference. And this is the first time that I have read the Bible chronologically mm-hmm. the whole way through. I'm on like day 380 of my streak here and I've started okay. again and I'm in um, numbers, I think. But anyway, very proud of myself for that. And I hadn't really looked at some of these verses through this lens until I started really looking at this and kind of helping women. And yeah, there's two kind of verses that I want to focus on specifically. And the first is John 10, 10, um, depending on your translation, of course, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that he, they may have life and have it abundantly or other translations say to the full. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I say, okay, we want to have this abundance mentality, people will laugh and say, well, I have abundance. Look at all the stuff in my house. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by abundance. I'm like, no, that's not, not what we're talking about. Abundance mentality is where our self-worth is determined by who and whose we are mm-hmm. as children of God and not that it is determined by performance, our status, our stuff, you know, not comparison um, with others and kind of what they're doing. It's that we're able to see that God is our provider, that he is going to give us what we need. And so we don't have to be clinging to our things just in case we need them someday 
and some aspirational reality where we're going to have all the time and energy in the world to do all the things that we used to do before having these children, you know? And so this abundance versus scarcity mentality is huge because it allows us to have that gratitude for what we have and then generosity to give from our excess to those that can be blessed by what we have right now, because Mm -hmm. we're not scared of losing it, or we're able to open our hands and surrender for what God has for our lives, rather than having our hands closed and clutched to our stuff. So that's really that abundance versus scarcity mentality. I can see that too. uh, I I was talking to another adoptive parent a few weeks ago. And one of the things that we were discussing, and she was pointing out to me is that in order to, to help adopted adopted children navigate some of these challenges, they really need to focus on their identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things you're saying here is don't, don't have your identity be on the stuff you have because then your focus is off of God and on your stuff. And so if you can make that mindset shift and focus on God, then he's going to provide, like you said, provide everything we need. We'll have more than enough. And then we can be more of service to other people. So good. That's a perfect one. I think you had another one as well. Yes, I do. And similarly with God as provider, looking in Exodus, I like to talk about this manna mindset. And if you look in Exodus 16, Moses is explaining to the Israelites about the manna that they're supposed to gather it, how much they're supposed to gather it. Uh, and, and so when you get to verse 19, Moses said to them, the Israelites, let no one leave any of it over till the morning, but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. And then even continuing morning by morning, they gathered it each, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. So we have extra manna that is breeding worms and stinking and melting and all of this. Well, what does this mean? It means that Moses is like, this is God is your provider. You collect just what you need. That's going to be enough. And our excess is not just kind of like this neutral thing, kind of like Mm -hmm. clutter. It is impacting us negatively. In this case, it is breeding worms and stinking. So if we have this manna mindset of God is provider, I have what I need. I do not need to have all of this excess because it is actually um, harming me. It is not doing me any good. That's another kind of biblical perspective on decluttering. I'm sure that Moses did not intend it that way, (laughs) but that's kind of how I'm interpreting it. The ones who collected too much were hoarding. Right. And the the root cause of clutter is you, you're a hoarder. You just want more and more and more. And so, yeah, I can see how that applies. So that's perfect. I mean, and there's other scriptures too. I, I We were talking uh, before we started, you know, I'm thinking of Mary and Martha. Yeah. You know, Martha was always worried about the housework and Mary had it, had her stuff together where she knew, okay, I've got Jesus in my house. I'm going to listen to him. And I'm not saying she was a declutterer or anything, but um, she had her priorities right. And I think this is one of the things you're talking about with, with the idea of clutter is you got to have your priorities, right? You got to focus on God as you've talked about, and you you can't be trying to uh, acquire more and more and more. You have to be satisfied with what you have. And so Mm -hmm. I love these uh, biblical examples that you've shared with us. 
if you were going to advise someone who talk to me because I have clutter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you were going to advise me on where to start, mm-hmm. because it, you know, you talk about overwhelm and yeah. where do you start to tackle this issue? Because I can see the benefits of decluttering, but I'm overwhelmed to know how to even start this. So what would you suggest as a starting point for, you know, people like me who have too much clutter around? (laughs) Well, you're not alone, first of all. (laughs) Also, when we own something, the more, the longer that we own it, the more meaning that we associate with it because there's memories attached to it and we're telling ourselves stories about it and we have guilt or fear letting it go. And so just know that when you own things, there are difficulties and it requires a lot of energy to be able to declutter these things. So what we want to do is we want to start in the most unsentimental, unemotional places possible. We do not want to start with, you know, the grandmother's China, the family heirlooms, you know, um, is gotcha day like a thing that you use in the adoptive community? Gotcha day. Like we call it fa- family day, but family day. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> but you know, that's when it, it was gotcha because that's when it all came Gotcha. Together. Okay. Cause I've heard that before, but just like any of those like sentimental things from uh-huh. that particular day, you don't want to start with that. Okay. Okay. You want to start with your car. What? My car is not in my house. What are you talking about? Yes, your car, because it is a small contained area, it's mostly going to be trash, things Mm -hmm. that you're not going to be sad to get rid of. You can do a lot in a short amount of time. In my group, we do 15 minute a day decluttering challenges. And you're able to be in that car and be like, wow, this feels really good that I am in an uncluttered car. Then you move to the bathroom and you uh, you have expired medication. And you have, you know, for our women out there, you have the makeup, you can't remember when you bought it or the random personal care items. You're able to easily let go of these things because you're starting to flex those decision-making muscles and then be able to build that momentum for when you start getting to some of the harder stuff. Um, Your refrigerator, yes, you can declutter your refrigerator and throw away the moldy leftovers and that counts, you know? So- Start with the really easy places, the laundry room, maybe the linen closet. You know, you don't want to start in your closet. You don't want to start with um, the family heirlooms, like I said, the sentimental stuff. So make it easy on yourself and get those quick wins. And that will help you build your momentum to realize, hey, this feels good. I'm seeing progress and I can really do this over the long term. Oh, those are perfect. This this has been really eye-opening to me and i hope it has been eye-opening to to our listeners today as well this is just the tip of the iceberg though if individuals want to understand what the next steps are uh, i know you you have a a facebook group you talked about i know you have your own podcast can you share a little bit more about your podcast and and how they could maybe get in touch with you because i'm going to share all these things in the the show notes, as Mm -hmm. well as a freebie that you are offering um, my listeners, but tell people how they can get in touch with you and a little bit more about yourself then. Sure, definitely. So the best place is my podcast, wherever you're listening to Tim, (laughs) you can listen to me and it's Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. 
Of course, if you're not a mom, you are still definitely welcome. And I mostly do for my solo episodes about 15 minutes just to have them really easily digestible for those overwhelmed moms. And then I do have interviews sometimes with other moms who have overcome overwhelm in different areas of their life. And those are about 30 minutes. And if you go there, you're going to see the link for my Facebook group where we do decluttering challenges every other week, 15 minutes a day for five days. And I give away like Starbucks gift cards and coaching and all these fun things. And they're really great, again, to start building that momentum and, um, you know, growing those decluttering uh, decision-making muscles. So that's what we're all about. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Perfect. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for being on here today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. This conversation was very eye-opening to me. I certainly have a lot of work to do when it comes to decluttering in my life, but Emily has made it seem much more doable than it was before. Speaking of doable, let's get to your daily doable. As Emily suggested, whenever you want to begin decluttering, start with something that holds no sentimental value to you. Take 15 minutes and clean your car out. This simple act will get you on the path to decluttering your life. To learn more about Emily, where you can hear her podcast, where you can join her Facebook community, and where you can get your free gift, please check out the show notes. I hope you found this episode helpful. I want to thank you for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, The number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.